Well, good morning. Turn to somebody next to you and say good morning. We are glad you are here today. This message is going to be kind of solemn. Uh, we, can, we can celebrate. We can rejoice. Some of you may not realize this. Some of you may. We have been praying for 24 plus years here at this church about a shift in the law of Roe versus Wade. I'm not going to make this political. This isn't about a Democrat or Republican or Independent or anything else. But this is about what God wants in his word, for his word. And I don't know about you, but I am excited about the federal government doing what they did. But what all does that mean? And what all does that take care of? And what all does that going to begin to change? I, uh, I have read some different articles. I've watched some different things on it. And um, a lot of times we, as, as the church, we, we celebrate in victory, and that's fine because it's not the victory for us, it's a victory for life. Everybody say life. Come on, say life. Jesus said, I want you to have life and to have it more abundantly. And I want to talk a little bit today about the sanctity of life, and I want to challenge you today, so I really want you to listen closely and this is probably not going to go the way you think it's going to go or the way you think maybe it ought to go. But I want us to begin to look at this because this week was a historic week for us. It was a historic week for our nation. Nearly 50 years ago, about 49 years ago, the court case of Roe versus Wade changed the complexion of our society. There, that, that ruling changed the complexion of our society. And, and the ruling left 63 million babies to be aborted. 63, think about that, million children were aborted since 1973. I, it, it makes my heart just go out to think about the children that were aborted. And 63 million babies... 63 million. Was there uh, the cure for cancer in there? Was there the cure for uh, uh, other things in there? Were there great inventors and uh, uh, other, other gifts and talents that God has brought forth within those children? But we can rejoice because my mind goes to thank you, God, that we're able to shift some things, but now we've got some things to do. Because I don't know about you, if, if you know of somebody that's had an abortion, they struggle with it. No matter whether they wanted to give that child up or felt like they had to give that child up or they felt like that if they didn't give that child up, they weren't going to be able to have the life that they thought they could have. But not only did it affect 63 million babies, but it affected 63 million men and women. A lot of times we hear all about the women, all about the women, all about the women. What about the men? What about the guys that, that maybe they were the one? Oh, yeah, they were the ones. Honey, go have an abortion. Go have an abortion, and, and we can take care of this thing. And maybe they weren't. Maybe they were the ones that were like, I want the child, but I can't raise a child on my own. I can't do this by myself. And a lot of times we celebrate and we look towards what has been shifted and has changed, and it needed to because it's, a, it's an aligning up with the Word of God. 
So even when we rejoice today about the decision of Roe and Casey and they were both tossed into the, the heat bin for the history because that law back in 1973 when the scholars looked at it and the, 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 the attorneys looked at it, that law, that law wasn't even constitutional. And it's been on the books for a long time of being that, and it wasn't. And now they were able to actually discuss it and see where it was unconstitutional and get that thing out of there. But let us remind ourselves that the task before us is now ahead. We can rejoice at 73 or 43 or 49 years or 50 years and watch this thing begin to shift and change. But what about the next, if we took the next 50 years and said there's going to be 53, 63 million children that are going to be born? What are we going to do with that? Are we going to have to shift our mindset? Is it going to have to be about a plan and a purpose and a destiny that God has for everyone? Everyone. He has a plan and purpose and destiny for them. We're going to have to begin to recommit ourselves, and we're going to have to begin to look at how we can build a culture and a foundation on the Word of God that will be able to transcend the truth, and it will begin to create the image of God, and that we were made in the image of God in God's likeness. I struggled with this message today. I've struggled with it since I heard about it, and I thought, I need to address it. I need to talk about it. I need to look at some things because the question that I wrote myself down here, will what happened cause women to think before they have sexual relationships before marriage? Some maybe yes, some maybe say no. Is it going to change that much? Will it instantly do away with premarital sex? I mean, you know what? We sometimes sit in a society where we don't pay any attention to this stuff. But this is real for God, and he's watching. Because he's the author of life. I'll get into that in a minute. Will it instantly stop unplanned pregnancies? Probably not. There's still going to be unplanned pregnancies. But you know, God has a plan and a purpose and a destiny, even if it's an unplanned pregnancy. This may shake some of your belief system, and I hope it does, because it may get you to the point where you're beginning to think a little deeper. And it's not just about the babies, but it's also dealing with the, the psychological and the physical effects of what abortion does to women. We've watched some shows where they've wanted to find their biological parent. And has anybody ever seen those shows? And they're trying to find their biological parent. And no matter how old they are, they can be 30 or 40 or 50. They have a longing to find out who that biological parent is. And guys, the biological parent has a longing to find out who that child is. Well, it's an adult now. So we know that there is some emotional and and, and as well as physical issues that go on. But how many of you know there's a spiritual issue that goes on too? So I'm, I'm, as I step through this, I want us to begin to start thinking. 
will everyone all of a sudden just because the passing of this law and actually what it does is it didn't really outlaw abortion it basically took the federal government of saying we're not going to decide on that it's going to be the individual states now and there are individual states that have outlawed abortion and the question is is will people run to another state that has an abortion to get an abortion we were talking about it the other day and it was like well you know Oklahoma has a deal where you have to wait six months to get married right after you've gotten married you get divorced you got to wait six months anybody know about that anybody okay I just didn't know if I needed to teach on that too and they'll run to Texas to get married right and this is very serious it's to me it's very serious because I don't want somebody to run across the state line just to get an abortion. So what are we at the church going to do about it? Are we just going to let them go? Or are we going to begin to start setting up some things that might be able to say, how can we meet that mother's needs and they won't have to abort the child? Oh, come on. Is anybody hearing me this morning? Because we just think, well, that's, that's good. They shouldn't, they shouldn't do that. They don't need to do that. Well, there's, on the other side of that, there's those issues that we've got to deal with the children. And is everybody going to turn to God just because they pass this? No. Everybody's not just going to flood into the church and say, okay, we need God now. But when I see God and he begins to look at it, I was, I, I was meditating on the word of God the other day, and it was, and it was Isaiah 55, 8. And what he says was this. He says, my thoughts are not your thoughts. My thoughts are higher than your thoughts. My ways are higher than your ways. And we can rejoice because some people don't realize that there has been people for 50 years ever since this this law was passed and it was and it was changed and it began to open up some things it opened up some things spiritually that weren't good but there has been people that have been standing for life for 50 years if you were praying for something for 50 years and it happened wouldn't you kind of find it feel good and it's great that now we've got the opportunity for life but I want to remind us as a church, I want to remind us as a family, and I, and I, I want, to, want you to remind you that this isn't going to be a feel-good message. But I want you to think about this. Because God is the author of life. Let me come back to this foundation. God is the author of life, and I want to have you put that up if you will. I think I've got that on a scripture. God is the author for life. Say it with me. God is the author of life. He's the author of life. He's the author of life. He's the author of life. He is the author of life. No, I get my life from my mama. No, you, God gave that life into that mama and created that baby. Come on, somebody, because he is the author of life. What would, I, what would you say if I, I told you that, uh, that, that my understanding of, of a spirit person in the heavenly realms is in the throne room of God, there's spirits in there, and they're the, the babies, and they're wanting God, send me to earth, send me to earth, send me to earth, send me to earth. And God says, okay, you're going to earth. And you're going to earth as this child with this family. And now all of a sudden, that life is becoming alive. It, it became alive. And I really began to start thinking about how God is the author of life. Genesis chapter 1, Genesis chapter 1. 
you know, I thought about just hitting the highlights, but I want us to, to go over it. Genesis chapter 1, if you will, just turn with me in your Bibles. If you've got a phone, turn it on, get your Bible plan, open it up, look at Genesis 1. Because I want to I lay a foundation down because we have to realize and understand that he is the author of life. From the very beginning, God created what? The heavens and earth, right? From the very beginning... It says, in the beginning, God created the heavens and earth. Verse 2, the earth was formless and void, and darkness was over the surface of the deep, and the Spirit of God was moving over the surface of the waters. And God said, let there be light, and there was what? Light. There was what? He saw darkness, and he said, let there be light. And I could say, God saw there was no life, and he said, let there be life. Let there be life. And God saw the light and it was good and he separated it from the darkness. And God called the light of day and the darkness he called night. And there was evening and morning of day one. So from the very beginning of day one, we see where he does what? He gives light. He gives day. He gives night. Come on, this is not death situation. This is a life situation and we can go on and we look in verse, in, in, in verse 7. Let me see, let there be light, expanse of the water. Verse 6, and then God said, let there be an expanse in the midst of the water. Let it separate the waters from the waters. God made the expanse and separated the waters from which were below, the expanse from the waters for which were above the expanse, and it was so. And God called the expanse what? Heaven. He called that heaven. And he went on, and it, and it goes on, and it says he called it heaven, and there was evening, and there was morning of the second day. So the first day we find in creation that he gave light. He gave day. He gave night. Now he created what? Heaven and, heaven and earth. I should put it that way. Heaven and earth. So God is a creator God, and he's creating it. And we know in the very beginning the Holy Spirit was there, and the Word of God was there, and the Word of God was Jesus. So there you see the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit in the very beginning. And now he's created what? Light. And he's created day. And he's created night. And he's created heaven. And he's created earth. And look at what happens on day three. And God said, uh, where, are we, where are we at? Yeah. God said, let the waters below in the heavens be gathered into one place. And let the dry land appear. And it was so. God called the dry land earth. And the gathering of the waters he called seas, and God saw that it was good. Here he is creating. Do you think he's creating life? Let's look at it. He's creating. In verse 11 it says, And God said, Let the earth sprout vegetation, plants yielding its seed, fruit trees, earth bearing fruit. And when they were with their kind, and the same seed was in them, and it was so. And the earth brought forth vegetation, plants yielding seed after their own kind, trees bearing fruit with the sedum in them, and, they, and they, after their own kind. And God saw it, and it was good, and it was evening of the third day. Everybody say third day. Do you see it? Can you see this? Come on, can you guys see it? 
He's creating life. He's not creating death. He's creating life. He's created heaven. He's created earth. He's created day. He's created night. He's given light to us. Now all of a sudden, he's creating the land and the sea and the vegetation, and it's growing after its own kind. Come on, because a fruit tree bears fruit from the fruit of the seed that it's supposed to be in. So if it's going to be an apple tree, it's going to bear what? Apples. It's going it's to bring forth life. And I began to look at this and look at verse 4 because sometimes we just take this for granted. Excuse me. Day 4, we take this for granted. It starts at verse 14. Then God said, let there be lights in the expanse of heaven to separate the day and the night. And let them be the signs for the reasons for the days and years. And let them be for lights in the expanse of the heavens to give light on the earth. And it was so. God made two great lights. Anybody got any idea? They were the original LED lights. God made two great lights. The greater light to govern the day and the lesser light to govern the night. It was the sun and the moon. God created this life. He's created this light. He's created now a balance within our universe. God placed them in the expanse of the heavens to give light on the earth and to govern the day and then to govern the night and separate the light from the darkness. And God saw, and it was good, and it was what? Evening, and there was morning, and it was the fourth day. Everybody say fourth day. And God said, let the waters teem with the swarms of living creatures. Watch this thing begin to explode. Life begins to explode on this planet. It's just amazing to watch it. He said, there's swarms of living creatures. Those flies... They were there then. You know what I mean? You're like, God, why did you create these things? There were living creatures all over the place and let the birds fly above the earth and open the expanse of the heavens. God created the great sea, sea creatures and every living creature that moves, which was the water swarmed after their kind and every winged bird after its kind. And God saw it and he said it was what? It's good. It was good. So when that bird's flying over there and you're trying to avoid it pooping on your head, you got to know, God, that is good. It's still a good thing that you've created for us. Verse 22, God blessed them, saying, Be fruitful and multiply and fill the waters of the seas and let the birds multiply for the earth. And there was evening and morning of what? Day number five. Then God said, Let the earth bring forth living creatures. Let the earth bring forth living creatures. Are you seeing the creation? Are you seeing life? God is the author of life, y'all. God is the author of life. I'm not the author of life. Sometimes I can be the author to take life. But how many of you know God is the author of life? God said, let the earth bring forth its living creatures after their kind. Cattle and creeping things and beasts of the earth and after their kind. And it was so. That's when the dinosaurs were made, by the way. Right in there. They're in there. God made the beasts of the earth and after their kind and the cattle after their kind. We got any farmers. God made the cattle after their kind and the beasts of the earth after their kind. And it was so. And everything that creeps on the ground and after its kind and God saw it and it was good. And God said, let us make man in our own image and in our own likeness and let them what? Rule over the fish of the sea and over the birds in the sky and over the cattle and over all the earth and over every creeping thing that creeps on the earth. God created man in his own image and the image of God, he created him male and female he created them 
And God blessed them. And God said to them, be fruitful and multiply and fill the earth and subdue it and rule over the fish of the sea and the birds of the sky and over every living thing that moves on the earth. And God said, behold, I have given every plant yielding seed that it is on the surface of the earth and all of the earth and every tree which has fruit yielding to it shall be for your food. And to every beast of the earth and every bird of the sky and to everything that moves on the earth, which has life, I have given green plant for food. God saw all that he had made and behold, it was very good. And there was evening and morning of the sixth day. Six days God evaluated what he did from day one, two, three, four, five, and six. And if I could say it this way, because God is the author of life, he said, I created life, 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 I created life. And even in death, God creates life. God's the author of life. Living creatures in the, in the, in the sky to be fruitful and multiply. Then day six, he creates what? Mankind to be fruitful and multiply. God's the author of life. Adam lived 930 years. <laughs> He's the author of life, 930 years. We started out with Psalms 91.16, and I want to share that scripture. I think I've got that. Do I have 91.16, Psalms 91.16? It says, I will satisfy him with what? Long life and show him my salvation. And the example that we talked a little bit about, a Roe v. Wade back in, in 1973. When this, when this law was established, the principal in that lawsuit was Roe. And she, she, um, she had an abortion. She wanted to have an abortion. Did you know later on she got born again? She gave, became a follower of Christ. And, 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 and that's when things began to change. And she realized she was told some things that weren't true. There was some mental and emotional distress and stuff that she had to deal with that she was told wouldn't be an issue. So she made a decision based probably on convenience. And she'll be the one, would be the one to share that story. But how many of you know God has a plan and purpose for every child? No matter if they're a mistake, no matter if they're, they're accidental, whatever that might be, God has a plan and a purpose for every child. Every child. Come on, say that with me. Every child. He has it for every child, and he has a, a plan for those every single one. But back in 1973, how many of you know we don't do things like we did back then? How many of you know when they, when they looked... They didn't have, when they looked at a child in the mother's womb, or that they did not have the capability that they can see now. Do you know they've got 3D imaging and now 4D imaging? Did you know back in 1973, when I was growing up, uh, I better not do that. Um, when I was growing up, anybody that was been around in, 19, for, in 1973, we probably would agree then that it was a blob. It looked like a blob from what all of the, the digital things that they had back then, which was very limited. It wasn't advanced like it is now. 
It looked like a blob. It was just a blob. There wasn't really life there. Are you with me? But now all of a sudden through science and technology and us understanding, there is all of a sudden a realization that there is truly life there. And that life begins. How many of you, even back in 1973, when a woman became pregnant, the doctor that was, was, was servicing her, he didn't say, oh, okay, I'm going to now take care of you for the next um, uh, 14 weeks or however long it might be till you get to a place where you're secure and your physical body is going to take this child and develop it. He never called her a woman in her blob. Never called her woman in the blob. He called as soon as she was pregnant, as soon as the, 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 the conception was done, the doctor would refer to her as a woman and her child. But back then, they didn't have the technology. How many of you know there's some things that are different now? Because back then, we didn't. How many of y'all came here on a horse? Nobody rode a horse. I wonder why. Because of technology. Would you say riding a horse is wrong? No, we would never say that. Never say that. But because of technology that it is, has it advanced and it's moved into those areas where now all of a sudden they can see an image of a child and they know that that thing is, is moving. They know that child can, can feel. They know that child can, can... Oh, come on, somebody. And we want to blame people from back in 1973. But I'm here to tell you today, we know some things different now. But if we aren't going to change some things and do some things different as a church, I'm not talking about just this church in Woodward, Oklahoma, but I'm talking about the church, the ecclesia, the body of Christ. If we don't do some things that, that are going to make God very, very happy and start dealing with why women want to abort a person and make some changes, then we're doing nothing with what just happened nothing and it's wrong we're gonna have to come back to the place where we can say if she wants an abortion why does she want an abortion does she not feel loved we have got to start giving the love of Christ in a deeper more tangible way than we have ever before my goal would be to start supporting the pregnancy center even more would be able to start I don't know how we're gonna do it but I don't know and I can't do it all but I'm just saying there's got to be a way for us to be able to take that mother that doesn't feel loved and say there's no reason for this. We've got to change some laws. We talked about it. That we need to change the, the, the adoption laws, first of all. We need to make it easier for somebody to adopt children so they're willing to adopt them and it's not so daggone much money because that money needs to go for help raising those children. The turning of the U.S. Supreme Court is now giving those to the states. I think it's going gonna, it's gonna to give every state the option to review what laws they have on their books and begin to say, how can we begin to take this mark off society? 
How can we begin to start now doing the things that God wants us to do? Because he is the author, the sole author of life. And he's the one that's created. And he's the one that's brought life. And how are we going to be able to take this? And we're going to be able to learn from this. And we're going to be able to make the next 50 years on these 63 plus million babies that potentially would be born during this time. And we begin to watch culture and we watch society begin to change because I'm here to tell you God has gifts and talents just as much if not more in the next 63 million people that are going to be coming forth into this earth to be able to make this earth what God wants heaven to look like on this earth can somebody give me an amen or something I know Eric's just fired up no I'm, I'm just yes I'm just fired up but I understand that we've got to do something different because that doctor treated two patients, two patients, two patients. And the thing of it is, there's mothers. I know people that have had abortions. I know people that have had to go through that, and it's not easy. And we've got to love the people that have had to go through those issues in their life. We've got to love them. We've got to love them. We've got to love them in a way that is not only unconditional, but it's a way that it is active because James says faith without works is dead. So I want to share with you Psalms 139.13. It says, for you created my innermost parts. You, move, you wove me in my mother's womb. I will give thanks to you because I am awesomely and wonderfully made. Wonderful are your works, God, and my soul knows it very well. My frame was not hidden from you. This is each and every one of us. My frame was not hidden from you when I was made in secret and skillfully formed the depths of the earth. Your eyes have seen my formless substance, and in your book were written all the days that were ordained for me. When as yet there was not one of them. From the very beginning, God has a plan and a purpose and a destiny for that child. That plan and that purpose and that destiny. But he also has a plan and a purpose for the mother. He also has a plan, listen guys, for the father. He also has. I, I, I love it because there's now, there's more and more men wanting to step up and take responsibility for being a man and being in home and being in the environment and being around the children and helping with families and all of that. Men are beginning to rise up and take some responsibility in the homes and I'm excited about that. But I want you to know that, that God knew you even before you were born. He knew you even before the conception was there. Whether it's for my, my understanding from the throne room of God into the, the conception that took place, he, began to, he knew you. And the Bible tells us that. I mean, he knew Jeremiah before he was born. Jeremiah 1.5, you can look it up. Not now, don't look it up now. Wait till later, make a note of it. Isaiah 44.2 said to Jacob that he made him and he formed him in the womb. He formed him in the womb. That's the sanctity of life. Let me listen to, I'm going to read you an article that I found with a place called Faith Gives. And it goes on and it says this, protect life in the next chapter of Roe. 
Life after Roe places new demands on all of us who value life. Do you value life? Do you value life? I'm here to tell you, God values life. And we, as sons and daughters of the Most High God, we need to value life. He goes on and it says, this article said, From the church to the state to every pro-life American, together we can create a nation that recognizes and protects every human life. Listen, listen. Offers women something better than abortion and produces thriving families. Don't think that that spirit of abortion is after the lineage. It wants to sub out, snub out families. It goes on, it says, now more than ever, women will need our care and support. I agree. Now more than ever, women will need our care and support. They'll need practical resources like parenting classes or helping coordinate an adoption plan. We need to support them through pregnancy and then after the form of financial assistance, breastfeeding, coaching, child care providing, come on somebody, diapers and clothes and more. The end of Roe is not the end of unplanned pregnancies. Pregnancy resources centers in every corner of America will need to bring hope to women. Tatum's part of the, uh, serves on the board, he's still on the board of the, of the pregnancy center. Courtney was involved with the Pregnancy Center up in Beaver for many years. How many years? I want to say 20, but 10, 14, something like that. Long time. So she was involved in that. She was, she was, that's, that's in her heart to be able to, to, to help women. We need to double down on our commitment to support a culture of life. What kind of culture are we having? We want a culture for Christ. And if we're going to have a culture for Christ, then I want a culture for life. How about you? I want to have a culture for life. I want to be able to support a culture for life. We need to look at what we're doing there. There's a tidal wave of human need coming at the church, and we need to deploy the resources to put our commitment into life action. Did you hear me? They're saying there's a tsunami coming is what I'm using my words. There's a tsunami coming because where are the people going to turn? And if they can't turn to us, then who can they turn to? Because they have to turn to us. And when they turn to us, then we're the ones that are showing them God and real actions of God. And we're giving them God. Then we've got to be prepared to be able to do some of that. Am I hearing music or something or what? Wait a minute. It could be the angels in heaven. Listen, what else? It says there's a tidal wave of human need coming to the church, and we need to deploy the resources to put our commitment into life, into action. To end Roe will honor the sanctity of human life, but it will also bring hardships for many mothers, and I'm going to say many families. The best way to support these children whom we fought for nearly 50 years will be to love the mothers who raised them. Love the mothers who raise them. So is that supporting just the mothers? Is it supporting foster care programs and outreaches? Yes. Is it supporting fathers? Is it supporting psychological issues that they've got to deal with or spiritual issues that they've got to deal with? Yes. Is it supporting physically being able to bring in diapers or, or, or take care of the mothers, giving them an option? Because I'm telling you, sometimes we know, most of the time we make decisions based on finances, don't we? 
Do you know how much that kid's going to cost you? I got news for you. You can't put a price on how much kids are going to cost you. And you can't put a price on the kid because they're priceless. Oh, no, you didn't hear me. You can't put a price on a child and raising a child and investing in a child and putting money into that child. Come on, taking care of that child, looking at that child's education, trying to give them opportunities they haven't had before and being unconditional and love that because that is priceless. Don't we have a father that owns the cattle on a thousand hills? <laughs> Doesn't he? he? He owns it all. His very beginning was life, and he was wanting to call forth life, and he was bringing life, and he was wanting to release life, and he's made life, and he's taught us to, to be the same way as his children, that we are life. We're, we're, we're life givers. We need to have a life-giving church that we continue to give life. And sometimes all we want to do, we may want to just give them Jesus, but yes, we know they need Jesus. But how many of you know the Scripture talks about it in Matthew when Jesus was telling the disciples to go out and knock on the doors, and we go out out and knock on the door and we pass them a track and they throw the track down and they close the door and some of them are like what do you need I need a job show me your Jesus and get me a job and then when they get a job guess what Jesus himself said you meet the needs in the home right then he said guess what the kingdom of heaven is near Many times the church is going out and we're knocking on the door and we're saying you need Jesus and you know what they need they need some food you know what they need they need some baby formula come on they need some diapers. They need something. Well, you know what I did when I was, I, I was in cloth diapers. You can just rinse and wash them cloth diapers. Yeah, right. Yeah, see how far that's going to go. Come on. Can I, and women, can I get an amen there? You know what I mean? It's like, I had cloth diapers. I wasn't no too good for cloth diapers. You got to just have cloth diapers. If you say cloth diapers, you can be all right. Well, if we're going to have cloth diapers, then I'm just telling you, we need to start a laundry service for those cloth diapers. Amen? Those are the things that I'm talking about that I'm looking at that when we begin to start looking at the sanctity of life and now what's beginning to shift and what's beginning to change, we realize that we've got to do something different than we've done in the past. What's that going to be? How's that going to happen? I don't have a list. I don't have a, a to-do list on all of that. But I believe God's dealing with all of us. Steve, if I'm going to have you come on up and play, if you will. I believe God's dealing with all of us. What can we do? What's our part? Because there's nobody that has to do it all. We can just do a little bit of it. I'm talking about fostering a culture of life. God is the author of life. That's number one. Say that with me. God is the author of life. That's number one. If you want to know two things today, number one, God is the author of life. You got to settle that. You got to settle that right here. The other thing is we need to begin to foster a culture of life. What is a culture of life? Well, that's what we've been doing, isn't it, Pastor? Well, maybe we have, but maybe we haven't. Maybe we have. But maybe we haven't. Maybe there's some things that we can do differently. Maybe there's some ideas that people have out there. I mean, I remember how the Hope Center began to start, and it was through, through synergy and talking about some different things. And it was a lady that came in that had a need, and we started to get out of our box to realize how we could begin to help that need that she had. Here's part of the other part of that article I want to share with you before we, before we go today. Part of building a culture of life in America is ensuring that no mother feels like she has to be alone 
during her point an option for the for pregnancy or for abortion is she going to be alone everybody I, I can't imagine how alone moms felt during abortions James described this pure and undefiled religion as to the visit orphans and widows in their affliction true ministry true religion is helping what orphans and widows you know, I think about Lenny Long, and she's living that out within her to help the children, her children. But they were orphans before they were her children. They're still orphans now. Come on, somebody. And what, what better thing for us to be able to do when we look at that? That James one twenty seven. Can you guys hear me okay? Because this is really loud and monitor up here. If we can adjust that out, Bobby, that would be wonderful. When those words were written in the first century that James was talking about, orphans and widows were the most vulnerable part of society. Orphans and widows. They were without relatives. They didn't have anybody to rely on. See, we've got family members that we, a lot of us rely on, don't we? They didn't have anybody else to rely on. And their means of support was just for themselves. And that same vulnerability describes many women in crisis pregnancies today. James adds this and he says, if you wish someone well, don't provide just, just a, a greeting for them to be well, but provide for their physical needs also. Wow. He's like, what good is that? If you say, go well, well and be blessed, have a good day, and they're in need and we aren't able to be able to help with their physical needs. We're talking about needs, not just wants. Well, I wanted a steak. Here's pizza. The church in America has a great opportunity to show the love of Christ to those that are in need. The question that I'm asking today, are we going to squander this? What can we do, Pastor? I don't know. Maybe we need to start having some discussion. What can we do differently? I've always wanted this church to be different. This church has always been different, and we're probably going to continue to be different. Amen. And this may be the very thing that's going to, to challenge us. Because when Jesus said in John 10, 10, he said, first of all, the thief comes to steal, kill, and destroy. If it's stealing, killing, and destroying, the thief is doing it. Jesus said, I've come to give you life and to give it to you what? More abundantly. Are you too young to start that? No, you're not too young. Is there something you could do even if you're a teenager? Absolutely. There's ways we can begin to start bring this conversation and say, what does this look like? We need to start be able to pray for, first of all, Debbie. We need to start beginning to pray for life-giving opportunities. That those opportunities are going to come. Here's what happens. When somebody finds out you're doing it, everybody flocks. But we want to be able to look at those that we can begin to, how we can begin to impact those and get them from a place where we are operating now in pro-life values. Are you pro-life? Yeah, I'm pro-life. I'm pro-life. And I'm going to live my life as pro-life. I'm going to give opportunities and I'm going to operate in pro-life values. Those are the things that I want us to be able to look at. I want to share with you last one, last scripture before we leave here. This is the message Bible in the same Psalms 139. Listen to this. It's from the message Bible. 
Oh, yes. You shaped me first inside, then out. You formed me in my mother's womb. I thank you, most high God. You're a breakthrough. Body and soul, I am marvelously made. I worship in adoration. What a creation. You know me inside and you know me outside. You know every bone in my body. You know exactly how I was made bit by bit. How I was sculpted from nothing into something like an open book. You watched me grow from conception to birth. All the stages of my life were spread out before you. The days of my life are all prepared before I had even lived out one day. I'm, I'm not of the guy that says God's killing babies. But I know we've made those choices to hurt those lives. So what are we going to do from here? Are you going to be somebody that's pro-life? Say you're pro-life, but then we don't do anything pro-life. I, I just, I'm just asking the question. I don't have the answer to this, but I'm challenging you. There's some of them that are doing it. I'm Lenny and Dwayne are doing it. They're doing it. Some can partner with them. Tatum's doing it. Some can partner with them. The pregnancy center is what I'm talking about. There's a hope center that's making a difference. How can we begin to take that? Partner with them. How can we begin to look and see? Because I'm telling you, this was a major, major shift in our world today. Two days ago when they made that shift, there were prophetic voices that were saying the curse has been lifted. Lamentation, it talks about a curse will not come without a cause. And there was killing babies that took place even Moses' time, right? Back when Moses was in the water, when they put him in the Nile, there was an edict, a law, killing all the male. Jesus' time, what happened? Same thing. Herod put out a decree to kill all of them, two years and under. Some believe that there was a curse that was put on America because of that. I'm saying if it's lifted, if it's lifted, that it's lifted, and because it's lifted, there's an opportunity for us. And are we going to take that opportunity or are we going to squander that opportunity? Are we going to wait for those younger generations to come up and deal with this opportunity? Or are we going to set something in place for those younger ones as she walks down the hall on the aisle with baby? That baby's generation to be able to walk in what we have made room for in this world. I don't know how to close this other than I want to challenge you. We're going to have to get to a place from being uncomfortable. Yes, you can. We're going to have to get to a place from being uncomfortable in where we are because life is important. Life is important. Tatum? I just feel led to share, um, like Pastor Eric said, I'm on the board of the Pregnancy Center, and we felt like this was coming from what we were reading, and, you know, we felt like this decision was coming. And 
we've just been praying about how to move forward because someone said to Belva Mabra, she's the director of the pregnancy center. She runs the day-to-day operations. She, they said, well, I'm just believing one day that Roe versus Wade will be overturned and then your ministry is really not needed anymore. And we were like, oh, no. That's when we really, really will be needed because you cannot legislate heart change. We can make a rule, a law, but it doesn't change your, the people's hearts. And there are many women who are scared. There are many women who are scared. I want you to put yourself. We, it's easy for us to say, oh, you had sex, so you got pregnant. You deal with the consequences. You know, that is hogwash. <laughs> And so I just want to share a few things that I so appreciate Pastor Eric's message and his, his uh, words to spur us on. Because you guys, we have to be the hands and feet of Jesus like never before. And so there's just a few th- things that the Pregnancy Center, we are really looking at a bigger building. Our, our goal, our, our really huge vision is to go medical where we, we could have someone on staff medically to give these women um, prenatal care. I don't know if you know this, but we already do parenting classes. I mean, mean, how many of you know if you are by yourself and you haven't had a, a good mom, sometimes you don't know how to be a good mom. Doesn't just, I mean, the love often comes, uh, instantly but the knowledge on how to care for a baby is like I mean I don't know how many times I called my mom the first time I had a baby mom I mean am I supposed to give him a bath I mean you know all these things he's crying he won't stop I mean we need these are the kinds of things that we have parenting classes that they can take to earn earn while you learn they can earn these bucks to go buy diapers that are at at the pregnancy center so I mean we always take diapers formula we need volunteers. That's one of the biggest needs we have right now is volunteers. If you have any free time, the center's only open from 12 to 4, Tuesdays through uh, Fridays. So if you have any time to come volunteer, there'll be training involved, how, um, how to counsel these women. There was a 12-year-old, you guys, this week. A 12-year-old went in to get tested. I have an almost 10-year-old at home that I adopted. And I look at this world and I think, I can't imagine my life without Ava Kate. Yes, she's a handful. And God knows I need every bit of his wisdom to raise her. And adoption doesn't come without challenges. But it's so worth it. The world needs more avocates, and I'm thankful that after this week, we're going to see more avocates. Because like I said before, there's no unplanned, there may be unplanned pregnancies, but there are no unpurposed babies. So please pray. I mean, we always take financial donations. Some of you give monthly to the Pregnancy Center, and I appreciate that. But, you know, just, I just know that you guys hear from God. So I'm not up here to guilt you into giving money or time. I know you hear from God. So if he lays it on your heart or if you want more information, just get with me. But know that we are positioning ourselves to love, to put love in action. And, and God has given me a greater passion to reach these moms who just need spiritual mothers. Most of my kids are gone. And I know God's calling me 
to mother more spiritually. So just please pray for the sinner. Please pray for our needs and how God can meet um, the needs of these women and families through this ministry. So Crystal Burton also works part-time at the uh, pregnancy center also. Guys, sometimes people are wanting a purpose. And if you haven't heard about a purpose, we've got orphans in Ukraine. We've got issues and situations that are horrible that are going on over there. And some of that might not get me going, but it may get you going. may get you involved in that. We've got, we've got situation from the Hope Center where we, we distribute food to six counties and 17 different communities and thousands of people. We've got people from the pregnancy center here that are part of that, that, that can get you connected. I, I saw greater networks of the pregnancy centers. I saw them expanding because if the churches don't do what we need to be able to do and become alongside and partner with them, we're going to miss out on this opportunity. And God's going to have it. It may have taken him 50 years to get this thing to come around to where we were willing to pray and believe God and for some things to change. Now the question is, is what are we going to do with that? So whether it's orphans or widows or moms, I want us to be able to look at that. I, I think about Mario. Mario's gone to college and and he's got his degree and he's, he's going to be a therapist. He's going to be able to deal with some of those psychological issues that are there. But how many of you know, well, maybe I don't say anything on Facebook, but there's, there's, we all know it's not just psychological, that there's spiritual issues that we've got to deal with also. And those are the things that we're after. I was just wanting to know if you would pray for us. And some of you guys may not know what to do. Find out and hear from the Lord. I want you to be able to hear because it's got to be about God and what he wants you to lead into. And I'm telling you what decisions you make and when you step into doing this for God and becoming really pro-life. I'm not saying you got to go out there and jump up and down with a sign, you know, and threaten people, you know, that are going in and out of abortion clinics. We've always prayed and we've had, that's the thing. There's one side that, that brings violence and there's other side that brings prayer. And we're going to be the side that brings the prayer. And we're going to stand for what God wants. Would you pray for us? Oh, Lord, we just thank you. We thank you, Father, that your heart is life. And, God, we chase after what your heart chases after. God, we don't want to be apart from your heart. We want to be in tune with your heartbeat, Father. And I know your heart beats for life. You created us. The very purpose of creating us was to love and be loved. And so I thank you, Father, that you are raising up a mighty move of your love to sweep through this nation. Father, to just sweep through the hearts of this generation that, are, that is coming up, Father, that, that is so scared that their rights are be t being taken away. I thank you that 
a love of God will be so powerful and that support will be so overwhelming that abortion not only becomes outlawed, but it becomes unimaginable because there's such a a move of support and love of God that abortion becomes unimaginable just as slavery has become unimaginable. God, I thank you that you can change the heart of this nation. A ruling, a decree, a law does not change the heart of this nation, but your love, your hands, your grace, and your mercy changes the heart of this nation. And it's done through us, your people. And I thank you, God, that you would speak to each of us. If each of us did one small part, it would be done. And I thank you that you would just speak to each of us, God, whether it's to give money, to give time, to give support, to give mentoring, whatever it is, to adopt. Father, there's so much that can be done. To pray, there's so much that that can be done. God, speak to each of us. And, and tell us what our job is in this new era in America. Father, we thank you that our nation will value life. And we will see the blessings come forth from our nation valuing life. God, we love you. We pray for any woman or man or family that has been affected by abortion. And I clothe them with the love of God. I speak no condemnation, no shame, no judgment in the name of Jesus. We break that off of them. And we clothe them. We cover them with the love of God that you, you can can touch that very innermost being of their heart, God, that I know that is affected. And I thank you, Father, that your love covers all. There is no sorrow that on earth that heaven cannot heal. So I thank you, God, for moving. And we celebrate a great victory. But I thank you for the work that lies ahead, that we will do you justice, that we will make you proud, God. We will be your body. We will be your voice. We will be your love on this earth. And I thank you for these awesome people, God. I know they are so amazing and they are so obedient. And I thank you, God, for blessing them this week. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. You guys be blessed. Have a great day. Love on somebody today. Remember, it's the love of God that brings a man to repentance. Amen. The goodness. God bless you. Have a great afternoon.